0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Happy Easter once again. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It is a beautiful day. I was hoping it would be closer to 70 degrees, but that's okay. It's not raining. I'll take that, especially on an Easter Sunday. I uh, just want to, again, echo what my wife and I have already said and, and uh, just to let you know how excited we are that you're here today. And hopefully, by the end of today, there won't be any hesitation that you are loved and welcomed here at Convo Church. And today, I did some math, <clears throat> which is not, that doesn't happen a lot because uh, I'm not a huge fan, personally. Uh, but I did some math today. Today, we're seven months old today. Today, yeah, this Sunday, this is our, so if you are new, if you're here for the first time, and uh, you're wondering who we are, you're wondering what we're about, uh, well, we're, right now we're about trying to get older, that's what we're about. Um, We're seven months old, September 23rd uh, was our, even though today's the 21st, but on Sundays, you know how, Uh, on September 23rd, we launched Convo Church right here in this building, and uh, my wife and I moved here September, I'm sorry, November of 2017 with our kids, our three kids, a U-Haul truck, and a dream in our heart. And what we felt was a call to come and to bring a life-giving church that God had placed in our hearts to the city of Reno and Sparks. And and God's been faithful. We've seen to this point, we've seen over 170 people give their life to the Lord over the last seven months. And um, that's, that's why we do what we do. And uh, we feel like it starts at the cross. Uh, I don't want to preach on this, but it doesn't end at the cross. It starts at the cross. And, uh, and at that moment of understanding who Jesus is and accept, accepting him into your life, then it begins this beautiful lifelong journey of discovering even more of who God is and even more so discovering all of what God created you to be and finding a community of people who are going in the same direction that will encourage you, that will inspire you, and that will build you up. Does that sound good? That's what we're going for. That's what we're looking for, and so we're just glad that you're here today. And again, my name is Craig. My wife's name is Kara. We have three kids: uh, Cole, Kate, and Jaden. And uh, they're they're also church planters, by the way. They're amazing. And I also want to take a moment because uh, we're not the ones that does all this. This is normally a high school. Uh, they don't normally have this stuff up here. If you didn't know that, we have an amazing team that we call our dream team because they actually are the ones that make the dream come alive for our city. And, uh, and I want to take a moment, if you will, join me in just thanking and honoring our dream team as well. Can you give them a hand for all they do? <clears throat> it's absolutely amazing. What they do is not just um, not just here on a Sunday morning. They do stuff throughout the week. They're contacting people. They're leading small groups. They're putting together production and different cre- creative things like our news. And, and it's just amazing to see what God is doing, what God is building and honestly, that, that we just get to be a part of it. And uh, so our hope is that, is that if you are not a part of that somewhere, that you would consider being a part of that here. Listen, the reason why we're here is because we're here to lift up the name of Jesus. We're here because uh, of God's love and His grace captured us. We believe that we did not find God. He's been chasing us from the very beginning. And, uh, and not so that He could beat us over the head for all the dumb things that we've done, anybody, I can, I can admit. Uh, But he's doing it because he wants to have a relationship with you. God has absolutely no desire for you to have a religion with him. God wants to have a relationship with you, and that's a relationship where you experience his love and you learn how to love him by living your life for him. And it's a process. And so that's why we do what we do on Sundays, and I encourage people, I encourage our church all the time when I'm talking on Sundays or whoever may be up here preaching, to encourage you to take notes, whether you got a journal or, you know, your your notes app on your phone, because what we do is we speak to your Monday through Saturday. Church is not something that you just check off the box, And then you're good and you've done your religious duty. This is a place where our desire is that you're being built up to be who God created you to be. And that you're able to walk with and do life with people around you and build relationships with other people here who will be able to stand with you and have your back in those moments where you can't do it yourself. And you can walk with people who are going to be there for you even through the best and through the toughest times. So uh, if you will, if you have a Bible with you today, you can open up with me. If not, it's okay. Uh, we'll have scriptures up on the screen behind me. Always encourage people to download the free uh, YouVersion Bible app. It is amazing to have just at your fingertips all the time. I want to start off with something that is uh, relatively, relatively common, but on a day like today, as a great place for us to start off. I'm going to start off at John 3.16, if you've ever heard it or if you've ever seen it on a poster board at a football game. <clears throat> it's, great. it's great advertising. John 3.16, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal Life. Can I pray for you this morning? My, my prayer is that, is that your heart would be opened and, um, and and your mind be receptive to what the Lord wants to communicate to you. And because uh, I believe God's got something special for you this morning. Okay, Father, we love you. Uh, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for you being here with us. You're not distant. You're not observing. Uh, you're not observing us, observing you, Father. You're in it with us. You're here in this place to bring your love and your grace, to bring healing, to bring life where uh, before life could not exist. And we ask that you would just tear down any walls, any barriers we may, we may have. Open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive what you wanna to say today. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. amen. Amen, amen. And I want you to know, if you haven't, told, if you haven't known by now, this is a, this is a, um, this is a lively church. And uh, we even put a warning sign when you walk in the front. I don't know if anybody saw that, you know, the attention. Okay, I guess it's not a warning sign. Attention, this is a room filled with faith. It's okay to say amen. And so I'm actually, because I know some of y'all might be new, so I want to help you practice. Is that okay? Yeah. So I'm going to make it really easy for you. So I'm just going to say and then you say what I say because I'm just, I'm just helping you out. That's okay. So, can, so uh, let's try to let's try say amen. amen. Not bad. That was pretty good. Say, say come, on. come on. That's a good one. That's one of my favorites. Say, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Y'all are good at this. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to work harder. Uh, and then uh, somebody stand up and point at me, just any, somebody, anybody, okay, thank you, yes, yes, there we go, now we're talking, all those are acceptable forms of response communication during the preaching, some of y'all know how excited I get about that, all right, uh, let, me, let me read this passage to you, this is coming from John, uh, the book. we're still in the book of John, I'll move over here to the end of chapter 19, I want to read a few verses to you uh, that have to do with the resurrection of Christ, because that's kind of a big deal today. Talking about that. All right. Uh, this is coming from starting in verse 38 of John chapter 19. And it says, uh, After Joseph of Arimathea had been, um, or who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, uh, because, he, uh, because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. And when Pilate gave permission, Joseph, Joseph came and took the body away Uh, With him came Nicodemus, a man who had come uh, to Jesus at night. That was an an earlier story. He brought about 75 pounds of perfume ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following the Jewish burial custom, he wrapped Jesus' body uh, with the spices and long sheets of linen cloth. Uh, The place of crucifixion was near a garden. and, uh, And there was a new tomb that had never been used. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now going into verse 20. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Somebody say amen. amen. She didn't know that was good news yet, but we, we kind we of, we get to know. Uh, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, as if, this is John writing about himself. I always like to point that out because I think that's funny. He said of himself, the disciple that Jesus loved. Okay. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And Peter and the other disciples started out for, uh, for the tomb, and they were both running, but the other disciple outran, he's bragging again, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> and he stooped in and looked in and saw, listen to this, because uh, we always talk about the empty tomb. The tomb wasn't fully empty, but just, just listen. And he stooped in and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, he still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. You know, on a day like today, um, and, and this is something I'm actually very okay with and very comfortable with, on, the, on a day like today, churches all over the world, there's a great chance that there are many people in the church, maybe for the first time, or, or, or maybe even for the first time since this time last year. And, and I want you to know, like, if that's the case for you here, I want you to know that, that, that you are welcomed and, and you are loved, and man, we are so glad that you chose to come and be with us today. And so when I, as a preacher, as a pastor, when I look at an Easter Sunday morning, um, it's, it's, it's not, the story hasn't changed. You know, the story hasn't changed. And, and, and for me, like praying about today, my prayer to God was, God, how do you want me to tell them that you love them today? Because that's really what this is all about. This is all about God's plan to love humanity and to get rid of the stuff that divides us between, between us and God and bring us closer in. That's what this is all about. And, and so I, I didn't want to just kind of do, do what's always been done and, and something that maybe if, if, if you don't come a whole lot to church, that maybe you've, just, you've heard it all before. Maybe you're here because, you know, it's your, your family said, hey, for the love of God, will you at least come with me on Easter? And, um, you know, I'm not trying to call anybody out. Uh, and you came, but you came. They can give you a hard time. I'm just going to give you a hug. Uh, and you, and you came and so my, my prayer into this moment is god would you would you speak today in a way that that grips everyone's heart in a way that we won't be able to escape who you are and your love and and that was my prayer as i kind of looked into this and so and and so we, we have this theme that we have for today and it's not just for today i feel like it's the i feel like it's an annual theme for what the for what uh, easter almost said christmas for what easter really is uh, but we, we have to realize that God loves you so much that, that Jesus literally went through hell to rescue you. And that's not even a metaphor. He literally went through death. He went through hell. He went through the grave. All, the, all those things that are actually supposed to be the end of who we are, All those things that are actually supposed to control us and to fill us with fear and to hold us back from our potential and and the things that want to make us look out for ourselves and not look out for those around us. Like Jesus literally went through conquer, conquer, conquer and came out on the other side so that he could make way for you to come in on a paved street to have relationship with God. The greatest symbol, I believe, that exists on our planet is the symbol of the cross. Uh, the empty cross. Um, I think if we, if you go ch- pretty much anywhere around the world, and you mention the cross. Um, most people would still connect that to Jesus. They would connect it to Christianity or, 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 or an expression of faith. You know, what's interesting is you hear stories of missionaries who have, who have been the first to go to remote villages and places around the world that have never seen outsiders, never had a Bible, never, and they, they, they go and they find a cross um, in the center of their village square. Isn't that interesting? It, it, is just a, it is a symbol that lets us know who God is. But at the same time, uh, if you were to ask, going around and asking people, "What does the cross mean to you?" you might get some different answers. You might not ever get all the, the straightaway good Christianese answers. You might get some, you know, some some things based off of people's experiences. Maybe somebody might say, "Well, the cross equals uh, to me uh, religion. It's, it's just one of those religions." Uh, somebody somebody might say, and uh, you know, real talk, uh, the, for me, cross equals hypocritical people. Okay, we I think we've given plenty of reasons for that to be the case. Uh, somebody may say, well, I think, well, the cross is cool. It just equals another religious system of rules and regulations. Uh, some people may say, well, it equals Christianity. Some people may go a little bit further. You know, it makes me think of forgiveness and love and grace and all these type of things. But I want to I kind of simplify it for us, for our focus today. And uh, out of this passage in John, I'm in John a lot today. I didn't realize that. John 15, 13. Uh, John says it this way. Actually, these are the words of Jesus. The letters are in red. It says, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his love for his friends. That's what Jesus did. So for us, the cross equals love. And that's not because we picked what the cross is going to mean. That's literally what God's intent was with the cross. Now, if you were to go back in time to the, uh, the Roman centurions and that time frame when Jesus was around, when this actually happened, nobody would have said the cross equals love. Because the cross was something that was very commonly used by the Roman Empire to execute people who seemed to be enemies of the Roman Empire. And they did it publicly so that it would, it would scare anybody away from wanting to, uh, to revolt against Rome. So the cross did not equal love. The cross actually equaled uh, corporal pun, uh, capital punishment. It was a form of execution. That would be like us in modern day saying, hey, cross equals electric chair. That doesn't sound quite as, as good, does it? That's not quite as, as catchy. Hey, the cross equals lethal injection. And we're like, that's, why, why would you, that's weird. That's like borderline inappropriate in a conversation. But that's the context of, of what was happening right then and right there. Jesus was taking something that had, was created and meant for a very different purpose and he was capturing hold of it and he was changing its meaning to mean something else. Back then, if people were walking around wearing a cross on their necklace, it would have been really weird. It just would have been completely inappropriate. But today, because of who God is, because of what Jesus did, and the fact that he's not still on the cross, that they're not looking for his bones in the ground, but he has actually risen and he is alive, we have a reason to, to look at the cross in a completely different way. So if you are taking notes today, that's the title of the message, Cross Equals Love. I think so often when we think about Easter, we think about uh, the resurrection of Christ, which We should. Uh, We think about how Jesus is no longer dead but alive, which we should. We think about how Jesus overcame death and hell in the grave, which we should. We think about how the grave is empty and Jesus is out of there, which is good and we should. But I I want us to maybe think of something a little bit different today. Because we celebrate an empty tomb, but when we read that account in John chapter 20, it wasn't 100% empty. You know why? Because there was stuff that Jesus left in the grave when he came out resurrected. And I wonder I wonder how much when Jesus comes into our life, when we invite him and you have to invite Jesus into your life, he never forces himself on anybody. God is a gentleman. Um, I wonder when we step into this new life that you get when you give your life to Jesus and we become not a duct taped creation, but a new creation, I wonder after that, that, that interaction happens, how much of our grave clothes, we pick back up, wrap back around ourselves, say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, and we walk off hanging on to these things. Jesus was fully God and fully man, but when he went into that tomb, he was fully God and fully a dead man. The reason why he was fully a dead man was because he took on death that was meant to destroy you, and he took it upon himself, and he took it to the place where it was supposed to go, which is hell, but he didn't stay there. Sorry, I'm messing with my microphone here a little bit. I'm grateful that Jesus didn't come out of that tomb, bound up with the thing over his head, mumbling, hoping that somebody was there, can somebody please help a brother out? I'm resurrected, can somebody get me out of these things? That's not how it happened. It says that when they went in, they saw the, the, the cloth that was meant for his head folded up nicely off to the side. And they found the other, the other wrappings, the other linens, you know, ra- uh, down off to the side, just all over the place. And I'm just so grateful that who Jesus is after the resurrection gives us hope of who we can be because of his resurrection. We don't have to live the same dead, broken life because Jesus conquered that, that dead, broken life resurrection life through Jesus means resurrection life for you. Now, now there's, there is, there's, there's some bad theology out there. There's some lazy Christianity out there being taught that, you know what, you know, we're just, we have a sinful nature and, and, you know, God loves us anyway and he forgives us. And we're just going to have to deal with that for the rest of our lives. That's just, that's just who we are in our humanity. We're just, we're just always going to be sinners. We're just always going to be this. Because everything around our culture is, even, even when you're trying to fix something in your life, is based around keeping that identity tied to you. Man, I hate that. Because all that does is keep the dead grave clothes on you that Jesus removed you from. So you don't have to be an addict for the rest of your life. You can be a new creation. You don't have to be addicted to porn the rest of your life. You are a new creation. You don't have to be hooked on whatever it is anymore because you are a new creation. You don't have to be a bad husband and father anymore because you are now a new creation. Let go of what has wrapped up our dead sinful nature. Let it stay in the grave and walk out that grave with Jesus living a new life because he made it possible for you in the first place. All right. All right. So Jesus, Jesus was, so check this out, the, the, Jesus prior to his resurrection, if it had stopped there, he just would have been another really great figure in human history. Somebody to definitely emulate because of the life that he lived and the good works that he did and, and the way that he loved people and, and accepted them and carried them into a new life, it was great. But had he never resurrected from the dead, then it would have stopped there. But a resurrected Jesus is a Jesus no longer subject to sin. A resurrected Jesus is no longer subject to death. He's no longer subject to brokenness. He's no longer subject to natural limitations. He's no longer subject to human limitations. As a matter of fact, he flips the script. And a resurrected Jesus is a Jesus who is now 100% free from the limitations of temptation. He's free from the fear of death, he's free from the limitations of brokenness. He's free from the natural and the, and the uh, human limitations. Now, I know some people may say, hey, hey, he's Jesus. So, like, he, he was never limited by these things to begin with. I was like, not, not really. But let's just dive into that. If, if there's any theologians, let's just go into If you're just hanging along, then you get to learn something. That's great. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it's uh, speaking of Jesus. It says, this is why he had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way, he made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful king priest before God as the one who removed our sins to make us one with him. Check this out. He suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us when we pass through the ordeals of life. Doesn't say that he was Jesus and so temptations didn't bother him. No, it says that he actually had to face all those things the same way that we have to face them. He was tempted in every way, but he got through without sinning with those temptations. Not because he was like, hey, check it out, I'm Jesus. Can't get me. No, Jesus was saying, hey, look at what I did. You can do it too. All right, here's another one. Hebrews 4. Verses 14 through 16, it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, talking about the resurrected Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Doesn't say he faced some of them, because there's always a couple people like, well, he doesn't you know, know my situation. No, I don't, but he did. And so his whole, the whole plan of the Father through the life of Jesus was for him to embrace, to experience, and endure, and to go through everything that you're going to face so that when you do go through it, you can turn to him and he can say, you're going to make it. I know you can. I've been through what you've been through. Come on, lean on to me, and I'm going to take you to a new, healthy, better place. Jesus, before the resurrection, was subject to the same things that we're subject to, but he went through them without giving in to them. If it had stopped there, again, it would have been just a really cool inspirational story. But the very thing that is meant to destroy us because of our sin, Jesus said, I'm going to go through that too. Because our sin, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So uh, I don't know about you, but on my best day, my good works, being a good person, is filthy rags in comparison to the glory of God. So don't argue with me about, hey, I don't need Jesus. I've been a good person. I've never murdered nobody because that's the standard. That's the standard. As long as you don't kill nobody, hey, everything's going to be okay. No, that's not the standard because the standard is actually God. That's why when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, the Bible says, that's not wise. Don't do that. Because they're not the standard either. Just because you find yourself to be a little bit a step above somebody else that you're comparing yourself to, God says, no, that's cute, but actually I'm the standard. We're like, well, then so, so am I screwed or what's the, what's the situation here? You know, no. He says, no, you, you actually can't measure up to my standard. Okay, even better news. So what do we do? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. I've never said that a day in my life. I'm from the south. Anyway. I don't know why I said that at all. She just says, I got you covered. Got you covered. Because I'm actually going to go and take on myself what you deserve. I'm gonna take the beating, I'm gonna take the punishment, I'm gonna take the the, the the consequence of your sin upon myself. So all you have to do is put your eyes on me, accept me for who I am. I am God, I am your Lord, I am your savior. Repent of, of where you've been and now follow me. I've told our church many times, repenting, you know, it, it, that word gets stolen and messed up so bad because you hear repent and for me, my first thing I visualize is like the dude on the street corner, come on, with the big sign, turn or burn, talking about how you're all going to hell. It's a southern thing. That's what it sounds like in my head. And so people walking by, and instead of like saying, hey, guess what, did you know that God loves you? It's like, hey, you're going to hell if you don't err. You're like, okay, that's what repent is, no gracias, I'm not going to do that. But repenting literally is a beautiful, beautiful word. It means that I'm going this way and everything's broken, nothing's working out. But this is what everyone's doing. So this is what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. And, but I, I feel like if I keep going this direction, everything's gonna fall apart. And Jesus just kind of like taps you on the shoulder, says, hey, 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 hey! I got a better way. And you begin to turn 180 degrees. And you're like, I don't, I don't want what was over there anyway. Because that, I mean... I was used to it, it was comfortable, but it was just broken and it's not working out. I don't want to be like everyone else I've seen going that direction. My my family has been like that for years and and I love my family, but I don't want the same things that they've been dealing with. I want to do a new way. And Jesus says, hey, just turn 180 degrees and just come with me. Well, what do I do? Don't worry about that. Just come with me. Just follow me. And his love and his grace as you continue to take steps to follow Jesus, begin to transform who you are from the inside out. Again, I say it again, God doesn't want a religion with you. He doesn't want you to be a religious person. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to open up who he created you to be, not who the world says that you're supposed to be. In order to save humanity, he had to become humanity and had to conquer what enslaves humanity. Let me personalize that for you. In order to save you, he had to become you and had to conquer what enslaves you. There is nothing that you will ever go through that the Lord does not understand. There's nothing that you are facing right now, whether it's in the moment or whether it's something that is is imminent to the future or something that is long-term that Jesus cannot identify with and be the one that takes you through it to the other side. A resurrected Jesus guarantees us that we are no longer subject to our sin nature. And I want to read a few verses to you real quick. This is this is something that it kind of brings everything together because we really do have to change the way that we think about our nature. You are born with the sin nature. I don't know if you knew that because I, I got three kids and I never had to teach them how to say no. I never had to teach them to take toys away from their siblings. I never had to teach them to, to lie to their parents. Did you break that? No. I watched, you, I watched you break. I didn't break it. I never had to teach them that. What I had to teach my kids to do was how to tell the truth. I had to teach my kids how to be kind. I had to teach my kids how to, how to work with others instead of fight against others. I had to teach my kids how to say yes sir and no sir and yes ma'am and no ma'am, please and thank you and, all, and make your bed and all those fun things. I had to teach them that because it was not in their nature to do what was right. That's all humanity. So when you turn on the news, you're like, what the heck is wrong with everybody? It's broken. When somebody cuts you off in traffic and you want to wave at them. <laughs> what's wrong with people? <laughs> they're bad drivers. But they're broken. Yeah. A lot of people say the stuff that they say on social media. What's wrong with people? They're wrong and I'm right. Well, you're broken. So That's what's wrong. What's wrong with our world? When I was a kid, it wasn't like that. Yeah, it was. It just looks different now. It's the same broken world in need of the same powerful, loving, gracious Savior. You know, the Bible tells us that it is the kindness of God that actually leads people to repentance. It's not the judgment of Christians. It's not the rules and regulations of religion. It's not the, 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 the attitudes of elitism within religious circles. It's the kindness of God. Well, they just won't listen to what I'm trying to say. Maybe you need to stop saying maybe you just need to start loving. You know, you'll never find a scripture in the Bible where it says that it is the job of a Jesus follower to change people. You're going to find a whole lot of scriptures where it tells you that your job is to love people. You know, the very moment that Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, they were at the Last Supper, maybe you've heard the story, and Judas didn't work out great for him, he kind of went a different direction, and and uh, ended up being betraying Jesus and sold him for thirty pieces of silver in there at the Last Supper. And Jesus knew what was about to happen. And I don't know how it, all the all the different things they do, it kind of portrays in a different way. But whether it was they all knew or whatever, he's like Ju- Judas, go do what you got to do. And it says that, that he he went and he betrayed Jesus, and that instigated the the uh, the moments that would lead to really the greatest moment that's ever existed in the history of mankind. But. Right after that, Jesus begins to tell his disciples in that room, hey, I got a new commandment for you guys. And they're coming from a Jewish culture where they were not lacking for commandments uh, and laws and rules. So they're like, oh, man, I haven't memorized all the other ones yet. Okay. All right. Let's write this down on tablet. I don't know how they did this. All right, Jesus, what you got? He says, you know, you've heard it said, um, um, you know, that, you know, if you got enemies, you know, you don't have to, eh, whatever. I got a new one for you. Um, love your neighbor. And um, lay your life down for those around you. Uh, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. I mean, I was so messed up and backwards from what they were taught. It's a new way of thinking because our, our natural nature says it is us and everyone who either agrees with me, uh, or maybe us is everyone who looks like me, or maybe us is everyone who votes like me, uh, or maybe us is everyone who lives in the same part of town like me versus them. That's normal. That's natural. That's that's in our nature. But what the kingdom of God says is that uh, there's no longer us and them. There's there's only us. Yeah, but you know, I've got some people Jesus they they're out to get me. They come against me. They say stuff. You know, it's interesting the very uh, that John 15 and 13 Jesus only mentions friends. He says for the greatest love of all is to love is a love that sacrifices all. And and great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his love for his friends. You're like, "Okay, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Yeah, for some, I mean, not all my friends, but like maybe some of my best friends, I might totally die for them. Maybe, you know, like if it, you know, a hypothetical situation, if it came down to it. But it was interesting is that Jesus wasn't segregating and alienating enemies versus friends. The love of God and how he sees all humanity is through the love of God and he sees all humanity as his friends. That's why he could hang on the cross and some of his last words were father forgive them." They don't understand what they're doing. I would have been a horrible Jesus. I would have been, get him. That one. Yeah, you, you know. And I'm coming off this cross, it's about to go down. You know, like I would have, we wouldn't be here today. It would have been a horrible situation. But that's, that's God. That's his love. He surpasses all that stuff. He takes us. And he wants, he wants to take you further than you've ever been able to go on your own. He wants you to live a life that is not even possible in your current circumstances. But he says, hey, it doesn't have to be possible because of what your last name is, what your bank account looks like, what the color of your skin is. None of those things. It's possible because through me all things are possible. You can be a different person, the person that, is, that you don't even like looking in the mirror anymore because you don't like who you are, you don't like who you've become, you don't like what other people have said about you. God says, it's okay, that's not how I created you anyway. Let me tell you what I think about you. You are loved. You are chosen. On your worst day, I handpicked you to be on my starting team. All right. Romans 8. So there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. God's not going to condemn you. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Listen to that. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses, and that's the Old Testament stuff, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did, check it out. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in the body, like the bodies that we sinners have. That's still our former identity. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. I like that word there, letting. That means that you're choosing to allow something to happen. It doesn't control you anymore. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. We we don't have to be scholars to figure that one out. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Can somebody hear that in their heart this morning? I know like if you're a Jesus follower, you need to, you need to embrace this. If you're not there yet and you're here today and you're like, I'm here because it's Easter and that's what I'm supposed to do and I'm here for some friends and I'm not sure about all this Jesus stuff. I'm not sure about this religion thing. I, I don't know, that's okay. Uh, you also need to know that this church right here, this isn't a place that only lets in the people that believe everything we believe. This is a place where you can belong before you believe. Come on, you need, you need a community, you need people around you, you need encouragement, you need love, you need support. And yes, we do believe this wholeheartedly, but we also believe that God is bigger than our efforts to force things on you. That's right. And so we're gonna love you, we're gonna walk with you, we're gonna encourage you, we're gonna pray for you. And we believe that the time will come. We believe that the time will come when the grace of God is too strong for you to handle anymore. And your heart is open and your eyes are open to the fact that you can try to find answers. You can keep trying. But all along, God's standing right there just saying, hey, when you're ready, I love you. I'm here whenever you're ready. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God, oh, come on. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give your life. He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what the sinful nature urges you to do. Somebody needs to know that the devil is a liar that you do not have to do the things that have been causing brokenness in your life. You do not have to take that pill again. You do not have to have that drink again. You do not have to go to that website again. You do not have to let them abuse you again. Come on, the devil is a liar. That's not who you are. God wants to give you a brand new identity. I got one more and then I'm done. Is that okay? I think we're doing pretty good. This is my last one. Second Corinthians 5, 14 and 17 says either way, Christ's love controls us. And since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. We died for everyone. I'm sorry, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. I love that because the, the author was talking about how, like, hey, we were walking with Jesus, but we weren't sure what this whole thing was all about, because they they evaluated him from a human point of view. He says, "How differently we know him now." This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, listen, 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 anyone, yeah, that's you, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Leave in the grave what Jesus buried in the grave. Follow Jesus in a resurrection life, in the life that Jesus called you to live. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes real quick? I wanna pray for you, say, so here's the deal. On a day like today, everybody needs in this room, and if people listen to this podcast, you need to, you need to hear the sound of my voice. There is nothing that you can do to run so far that you get outside of the love of God. You need to know that today is a day of celebrating resurrection life in Jesus. And because he rose from the dead, that means that you now have the ability to be saved from the, from the same things that were trying, the enemy tried to use to take down Jesus. Death, hell, and the grave. That's the future for anyone who rejects the revelation of who God is. And it's not because God likes to send people there, it's because God's not gonna force you to spend eternity with a God that you never wanted to love and follow while you were alive. But he gives you every opportunity, every single day, through a sunrise and a sunset, through the nature that we see, through the smile on another person's face, through the innocence of a young baby, all the way to the revelation of God's word and the love of God through the cross, through Calvary, through a life being crucified and then raised from the dead so that you could have new life today is a day of salvation for you. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him, you don't have to have what would happen if you, if you were to reject him. You can have new life. With every head bowed right now, just so there's no distraction and you know, we're not gonna do anything to call people out or embarrass anybody or make you stand up or come forward. Every week at Combo Church, people make a decision to give their life to Jesus. Today is no different. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is not a moment for the person next to you. This is the this is moment as if you were the only person in this room. Do you know if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus still would have died for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation and invite you to pray it with me. And if today you would say, Pastor, it's been many Easter's. It's been many years and today, for whatever reason, I feel like today is the day I need to make the decision to make this resurrected Jesus, the savior of my life. And that doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect now. It just means that now you're gonna walk in a different direction following somebody who's gonna lead you to what you were created to be. I'm gonna count to three and when I get to three, all I want you to do, because this happens every week, hands are gonna go up, I'm gonna count to three, and when I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, include me in this prayer of salvation. And then we're all gonna pray together so it's not gonna single anybody out, but this is a special moment for you. Come on, one, don't wait, don't hesitate. Today is a day of salvation for you. Two, God loves you so much and he orchestrated today just for you, one, two, three. Will you lift your hands and say, Pastor, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. Today is the day of salvation for me. Easter 2019, right here in this moment. There's hands up everywhere. Pastor, today I want to know, I want to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that today is my day of salvation. Anybody else? There's hands all over. Anybody else want to say, Pastor, yeah. I want to I know by the end of today, I want to know that this is a done deal in my heart. Absolutely incredible. Can you put your hands down? Put your hands down. All right, we're all going to pray together. We're all going to pray out loud. We do this as an encouragement for everybody and for those that maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you can still pray this prayer. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. And thank you for raising from the dead. I believe that you are God. I believe you are alive. And I believe that you have forgiven me. And today you are my savior. Starting from this moment, I am a Jesus follower. In the mighty name of Jesus. And somebody say amen. Amen, come on, can we clap for those who prayed that prayer this morning? Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church podcast.